pilots could have drained the pit with their equipment when three ten-horse pumps couldn't. The answer to how the pit worked lay someplace else. Nick knew from the stories his uncles told that they had made their assault during the height of summer, and when he consulted an old almanac, he saw the men had been working during a period of particularly high low tides. He knew that to be successful, he and his brothers would have to try to reach the bottom at the same time of year Devereux had dug the pit, when the tides were at their very lowest, and this year that fell at a little past two o'clock on December the 7th. The older brothers had been planning their attempt at cracking the pit since early summer. By doing odd jobs for anyone who'd hire them, they'd scrape together money to buy a two-stroke gasoline-powered pump, the rope, and tin miner's helmets with battery-powered lights. They'd practiced with the rope and a laden bucket so their arms and shoulders could work tirelessly for hours. They'd even devised goggles that would let them see underwater if necessary. It took 45 minutes to haul all of their equipment across the island. The pit was located on a bluff above a shallow bay that was the only feature to mar its otherwise perfect heart shape. Kevin, Nick said, a little out of breath after their second trip to the boat and back to the bluff. You and Jimmy go get wood for a fire, and not driftwood either, it burns too fast. Before his order could be carried out, natural curiosity made all five of the Ronish brothers edge closer to the pit for a quick look. The vertical shaft was approximately six feet to a side and perfectly square, and for as far down as they could see, it was ringed with age-darkened timbers, oak, in fact, most likely cut on the mainland and brought to the island. Cold, clammy air climbed from the depths in an eerie caress that, for a moment, dampened their enthusiasm. A rusted metal grate had been laid over the mouth of the pit to prevent anyone from falling in. It was anchored with chains looped around metal pegs drilled into the rock. They had found the key to the padlock in their father's desk drawer, under the holstered, broom-handled Mauser he had captured during the Great War. For a moment, Nick feared it would break in the lock, but eventually it turned, and the hasp clicked open. With the twins' help, Nick dragged the heavy grate away from the opening and set it aside. Next up was the erection of a wooden frame over the pit so the rope would dangle directly into the hole from a tackle system that would allow two of the boys to easily hoist a third. This was done with the wooden carrying poles and some metal pins fitted into pre-drilled holes. The butt ends of the lengths of lumber were nailed directly into the oaken balks ringing the shaft. By the time everything was ready, Kevin and Jimmy had a nice-sized fire going ten yards from the pit, and enough extra wood to keep it going for a couple of hours. They all sat around it, eating sandwiches they had packed earlier. The trick's gonna be timing the tide just right, Nick said. Ten minutes before and after its lowest is about all we've got before the pit floods faster than our pump can keep up. I bet there's a big old chest just bursting with gold, Jimmy said, wide-eyed at the prospect. Don't forget, Don replied, the pit's been dragged a hundred times with grappling hooks, and no one ever brought up anything. 
Loose gold doubloons, then, Jimmy persisted, in bags that rotted away. Nick got to his feet. We'll know in a half hour. He put on thigh-high rubber boots and slung the battery pack for his miner's helmet over his shoulder before zipping into an oilskin jacket, feeding the power cord out his collar. He slung a second satchel of equipment over his other shoulder. Ron lowered a cork bob down the pit on a string marked off at ten-foot increments. One ninety, he announced when the line went slack. Nick donned a web harness and clipped it to the loop at the end of their thick rope. Lower the hose for the pump, but don't fire it up yet. I'm going down. He tugged the rope sharply to test the tackle block's brake, and it held perfectly. Two hundred feet, Ron said, checking his bob once again. Nick grinned. We're already at the deepest anyone's managed to get, and we didn't have to lift.